The church is you. The church is you. That, uh, I watched that video. Are we coming over a little hot? A little warm? Check, check, check. I watched that video probably 15, 20 times before I decided to use it. And I couldn't get past the last line that says, You are the church. Really? I'm the church. You're the church. We together as a community of believers and followers are the church. The four walls that we have of this building is a church building, but it's not the church. The seats are inside the church, but they're not the church. They're components of the church, but they're not the church. I want to take a time really quick to welcome you to Connection. My name is Matt Griswold. Normally, I am leading worship. This morning, Jack Bain led it and, and with the band did a fantastic job. Um, I want to touch on a couple things this morning real fast. Pastor Mike uh, is away for a couple Sundays. He's, he's resting. Uh, he's doing good. I talked to him, and uh, he said the rest is good. So he's resting. He's doing well. But uh, he is out of town today. He's at his brother's funeral uh, he had a brother that passed away this week, and he is in uh, by Decatur uh, attending that today. So what that means is, and I believe he's contacted you from our conversation we had, if you were planning on going to First Step today, um, for those of you that are, that are first time with us today, First Step is, is a class that we have to, uh, to learn more about connection and to join the church, but he has contacted you, I believe, about that. If he has not, there will be no First Step today, okay? No First Step today. No first step today. No first step today. I told him that I would cover that. Um, so no first step today besides that. And if you're wondering um, if there will be first step, the answer is no. So <laughs> I love laughter. It's so awesome. <laughs> but, but I got pets. I looked, at, I looked at the video and it says, you are the church, you are the church, you are the church. And I couldn't get over that. And I said, how is connection... Connection. How is connection connection? Connection is unlike any church that I've ever been a part of in my entire life. And I'm not going outside waving a banner saying connection is the only church in the whole entire world because it's not. But what I'm saying is connection seeks to be different. I don't know very many churches that have popcorn or coffee in the sanctuary. We're, we're just different. Um, first of all, if you're a guest with us, if you are a first-time person with us, we just want to say hi. Some, some, Mike and I have a term they're called sneakers. Some people come in and like we, it's, it's too late because Mike and I are up here, we're leading worship, and they, and they sneak in. And then after we get done with a, with a worship set, and we, can, we could like race to the door and they're gone. So I would like to meet you. My name's Matt. Nice to meet you if I haven't shook your hand yet. But at Connection, you are our family. By the end of today, I want you to feel like you are a part of this family. Okay? I, if you go to another church, great. That's great. Be involved in that church, where, what God is doing. But this morning at Connection, we want you to feel like family. We want you to feel at home. Um, but at Connection, the word that strikes us often is that we are to be different. Okay? We try and see opportunities in the community to minister. Real life. Hands-on. We want to minister. We want to touch. And one of those opportunities, on the fourth Sunday, which is today, we collect an offering. Now, if you are a guest, that's why I said this first. If you are a guest, 
This is not for you. Okay? We like you. We love you. We do not want your money. <laughs> okay? Now, this is, this is for an opportunity to sit back and watch connection, people's, pe- connection people give. Uh, if the guys that are going to take the offering um, would get the bags and come up, what we're going to do is this. We're going to pass around popcorn bags. No, they don't have popcorn in them. They are empty. Okay? To make them not empty, pennies, nickels, dimes, whatever, this is a chance for us. On the fourth Sunday, we take an offering like this, and uh, at the end of the service, I get to... I get, to, I get to pick two people and, and scare them. Not really. If, if, you ever, if, if I ever call on you or Mike ever calls on you and you don't want to do this, just say, uh, no. Okay? And it's not a big deal. Okay? But that's what we're looking to do. We want nickels, dimes, pennies, anything you got. Okay? Anything spare. But here's a twist on this. I told you that we were different. The lead team, which is the kind of the governing system of our church, has decided this. This is an awesome opportunity for us to gather some money together and I'm going to give it away at the end of the service to one or two people depending on how much it is and they're going to go out wherever they live, wherever they are, whatever they come in contact and they're just going to give a bag of money to somebody. Okay, that's different. Okay, that's different but it seeks to be completely relevant because sometimes I've had a soda or a sweet tea or something bought for me and that was a big deal. Five bucks to me is a big deal let alone some of the amounts that, that we have been able to, to give away. But if you're, one of the, if, you're, if you're a person, guest or not, this is going to sound different. I want this to be very clear. If that bag goes by you, and you think, you know what, and you're sitting there like, man, I need like 10 bucks to get me through this week. When the bag goes by you, take what you need. That's different. It's between you and God. If you need it, good. We get to minister to you. And if it doesn't, just pass it on down, and we can, we'll take care of that at the end of the service. But as they go ahead and, go ahead and start taking the offering, I'm going to go ahead. Um, we're going to be looking in the book of 2 Corinthians, which is in the New Testament. Um, if you have a Bible from out in the hallway, one of the New Testaments is on page 152. Um, if you have a Bible like mine, it's on page 941. I didn't go through all the Bibles in my house and find page numbers, but... Um, if you don't know where 2 Corinthians is, it's in a new part of the te- New Testament on the right side of the Bible. And if you don't know where that is, in the beginning of your Bible, I have mine paper clipped to the table of contents, and it shows me page numbers. Just go get there. But 2 Corinthians, we're going to be looking at chapter 5. As you're turning, I want to ask you a question. Why do we do what we do at Connection? Why do we do what we do at connection. I asked myself that question and, and I came to, to somewhat of a conclusion, but, but I, again, I started to ask myself even more questions other than why do we do what we do at connection? And then it turned into why do we physically give bags of money away? Economically, and budget sensibly to me, okay, one should not give away bags of money. Now, that's what the world says to us. The world says, you shouldn't give, you shouldn't give bags of money away because they're going to do bad things with it. That's not up to us, by the way. Why do we give away uh, next, uh, next Saturday, two Saturdays from now, October 5th, I believe it is. We're going to do a gas giveaway. Why do we give away gas? 
Hey, I have a, I have a full-size truck. It likes gas. When people want to give me gas, it lets my truck go farther, okay? Why do we do that? Why do we, on Christmas time, we give away hams, or, or Easter, we give away hams or turkeys at Christmas time and Easter. Why do we, why do we get things that are used in everyday life, and we, why do we give them away? Why? What makes us different? Why do we do this? Because in the goal of connection, we read in the New Testament, and we meet this guy named Jesus. And I'm going to get to share with you some really cool stuff about some people in connection. Don't get nervous. I didn't use names. And the people that I'm talking about, they've given me permission, okay? But in the New Testament, we meet this guy named Jesus. And after we meet him, after we meet him, okay, one of the very first things we learn about Jesus, he is God's what? He is his son. And then he came to earth, okay? He was born in Bethlehem. The Christmas story, Jesus comes to earth, he's born, okay? And what we see when we meet him, okay, Jesus came from a place of absolute perfection. I do not have time to go into this, but Jesus is God's son. He, he existed in John 1.1. 1, 1. We're told that he existed bef- with God and has existed since before time. Okay, He's been with God. They're the same person, but they're different. Ask me not to explain that, please. But when we meet Jesus, we understand that the precious metals that some of us wear on our hands, and they're called wedding bands, Jesus comes from a place that the things that we hold the dearest to us, the special metal, this this gold that we have, where Jesus is from, that's used as pavement. I asked, my, I asked my grandpa this when I was a young kid. I said, I said, so do you think you're going to wear... I just, my grandpa had gigantic... I don't have big hands at all. My grandpa's hands were like this big. He's a huge, huge guy. And, and I thought his ring... His, has anybody seen Lord of the Rings? Like his ring looked that big. Like, like I could put like my whole hand in his ring. And I, I just thought, man, this is just a gigantic ring. And I said, do you think you're going to wear your ring in heaven? And my grandpa was a pastor and... And he taught me a lot of things without... I, I was learning things I didn't understand I was learning. And he said, Matt, let me tell you something. He said, whenever I get to heaven, the last thing on my mind is wearing pavement on my finger. The last thing I'm going to think about in heaven is wearing pavement on my hand. See, Jesus is from a place of absolute perfection. And so he comes to the world extremely humbly. He was born in a stable. Knowing where Jesus comes from, Jesus should have done this. Jesus should have been born at the Bellagio in Las Vegas. Uh, he should live on Times Square. I mean, he, he should have these things that are earthly, but they're considered way up, you know, way up scale. Jesus should be at those places. He should be eating at the nice restaurants. But when we meet Him in the Bible, and when we meet people that have been influenced by Him, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. We find Jesus meeting with people that don't have any money, that are considered to be completely socially outcasted. We see Jesus ministering to people that were hated, and he loved the unlovable. 
And when Jesus encountered these people, this is what they got from Him. They understood why Jesus did what He did. Because He changes lives. 180 degrees change. If you know the story of Paul, is this is the guy that wrote this. Okay, He wrote to the church in Corinth. A Corinth is just a weird name for an old town. Okay. But Paul wrote this, and Paul used to, I don't have time to go into this either, but Paul used to be called Saul. Saul was at, well, he was present, if we, read, if we read, he was present at the stoning of the first Christian martyr. Okay? Saul's enjoyment came from killing people that believed in Jesus. He tortured them. It was absolutely insanely cruel. They would soak, they would, they would soak them in oil, and they would burn them to light up their gardens. These people that believed in Jesus, they would, uh, they, they would cut them severely. Just awful things. And, and Saul had an encounter with God. And if you want to see a dramatic change in a person, Saul goes from killing people, killing Christians who believed in Jesus. God got his attention. Has God ever got your attention? <laughs> Some people are like, uh-huh. You know, sometimes God will be subtle. But with me, most of the time it's like a bat. You know, kind of thump. Hey, dude, listen. Saul encounters God. God wants to transform his life. Renames him Paul. Okay, Paul is who wrote this now. Same guy. Probably, undeniably, arguably, the best, most efficient missionary this world has ever seen. Thousands believed in Jesus because of Paul. As a result of Paul loving Jesus, they killed him. See, Paul sought to love and live like Jesus back then. You know, it doesn't say it on this one, but in some of our connection shirts, it says, Live in love like Jesus. This is not a new concept. Paul did it way back. The characters are different, but the story is the same. If you want to go ahead and look at verse, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says this, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Now, Paul is not talking you into buying the Ginsu 5000 knife on the infomercial at 3 a.m. Paul is not bribing you to believe Jesus. Paul is saying this, Paul's not talking about persuading people as in luring them in. But he's showing them how the love of Christ has transformed his life. It goes on, it says, God knows we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. I remember he's, he's, he's talking to these people that he's helped start this church and now he's sending these letters back. Paul's letting the people know that he's being real with them. He's not trying to trick them at all. He said, listen, we do this in our own heart. It's all about what's inside us. I was at a concert one time, a Christian concert, and the, the, the artist in the band that was playing was in that time period absolutely, incredibly popular. And I thought they put on one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. But what grabbed my attention was when they said, you don't understand what goes on inside us, but we're worshiping along with you. 
and they weren't, they weren't putting themselves on a pedestal. It was, you wanna, I want you to see the inside of me. Yeah, we have lights. Yeah, we have you know, strobe lights, whatever. It, it was about the simplicity of us honoring God inside us. It goes on. Verse 12. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Are we bragging? Okay, Paul's writing to them saying, hey, look what we've done, but I want you to understand what we're doing with the last two words, with a sincere heart. We have an open blank message map. Okay, It says sermon notes. Those two words, sincere heart. You can ask yourself this question. If you want to write down sincere heart, I just want, you to, I want it to click this week when you look at it. But do you do things with a sincere heart? See, this was sharp to me when I read this. But Paul is telling these people that they are not to be prideful about what the outside or inside of their church looks like. Okay? They are to take inventory of themselves internally and make sure that they are ministering to others for the right reasons. And my question to you is this that I've already asked myself, and it was sharp. But do I do things for the right reason, and do I do things with a sincere heart with my only intention is to glorify God? It's sharp. I can think back to a time in my life where I did this because I knew it would get me this. Or I would, I would behave and do what I was supposed to do because I knew if I did this, then I would get rewarded with this. And I was almost scared into doing the right thing. This is not what Paul is talking about. We have two people in this church that are under the age of, I'll say, 23. And they're younger than that. Okay. We have two people that sought to live out something with a sincere heart in the last month, and I don't want to go into specifics because it's not about them, and I don't want them to just be, hey, I did something good. They need to be congratulated that they did something good, but I want you to listen to this. They were in an environment where somebody around them was not comfortable. A group of people, one of them was not comfortable. And those two people that go to Connection sought to go to that person and make them feel comfortable. Now, they're doing what they know how to do. Okay? They're doing things that, that we have taught here, that they're, they're to live in love, they're to accept, accept people, to make friends with all people. But I didn't hear the story from them. I'm in a very unique situation on this story because the person that they made feel comfortable knows me in a whole other avenue and they came to me and they said, hey, do you know these two people? And I said, very well. And they said, well, you let me tell you what they did for me. And it was incredible. Because I saw these two people that are younger leaders that are coming up in connection. And what, what are they doing? They are living and being a church outside of these walls. And that person came to me and they could not have been happier. They said, they, they accepted me for who I am and made me feel comfortable and invited me to go do stuff. They don't even know me.
And what that person experienced was sincerity coming from those two people. It wasn't about, hey, I get, I get bonus points if I talk to more people. It's not, hey, I get, I, get, uh, I get four stickers instead of three if I do this. It wasn't about anything outwardly. It was completely internally. And it's, and it's being printed on them. How do I know that? Because stuff like that doesn't happen. The world doesn't say that. The world says, you stay to yourself. You hang out with the friends that, you, that only are good to you. You don't do anything. And, and that's not what we teach. Because we're different. He goes on in 13. It says this, If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring out glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. If it seems we were crazy, if it seems we are crazy. The Bible says that we should be unashamed about God and unashamed about what He's done for us. In fact, David Crowder wrote a song called Undignified. It says, I will dance, I will sing, to be mad, and he uses the word mad, for my king. If it seems we're crazy, Paul's, I mean, you've got to be in this church when Paul writing this letter. If it, seem, if it seems we're crazy, I don't imagine that Paul kept his mouth shut that often. People probably thought he was crazy. And he goes on and says, and if we're in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Paul is disowning, disowning anything, any, any possibility that it would bring him any type of credit for what he was doing. He said, this is not about me. I want it to bring glory to God. Verse 14 says, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Paul took this verse beyond to heart. Paul took this verse extremely seriously. We have to, we have to back up and we have to remember who is writing these words. This dude physically had a hand in or verbally had a hand in thousands of believing people in Jesus, he had responsibility for them dying. Very closely related to the problem. If you came to Saul before he had his encounter with God, if you came to him and you were a a believer in God and you admitted that, he had the power to take your head off your shoulders. But Paul is writing this with, remember, the sincerity, his sincere heart. And he says this, I have done so much wrong in my life. Some of you are sitting in your seats right now thinking, I have done so much wrong. God could never, ever love me. What Paul did is he had died, the last words, died to his old life. He had died to his old life. He wanted no part in his old way. Saul, who is now Paul, had changed. Now my question is this. If you have your sermon notes, I want you to write this question down. Is your desire, is it your desire to show others how God has changed you? Do you see opportunities to, when somebody says, hey, 
you know, why don't you, don't, why, why don't you do this anymore? Do you seek opportunities to say, I'm just different. God has changed the way that I think. He's changed the way that I act, the way I talk. People's lives being changed from what they used to be to what God intended them to be is a very real thing. If you don't believe me, you come talk to me after the service and I will physically introduce you to somebody that can give you their explicit experience. You know, this is not for any of you, but more for me to show you that this stuff is real because of a program called Celebrate Recovery. I have some things in my life that aren't there anymore. They're not, they're not there. They're there, but they're handled. And when I come in contact with somebody that has had that in their life or they have that in their life, I can say, hey, listen, I know exactly how you feel. Some of you would absolutely kill to have somebody walk beside you, not talk down to you. Walk beside you and say, you know what? I've been where you've been. I know what this feels like. My wife and I, before, we had, before Mary had Emma, we had a miscarriage. And we, it, it was horrific. As, as a dad, as a husband, I couldn't do anything to help my wife. And if you've been in that situation, you absolutely understand this. But I could physically, guys fix things. I couldn't fix the way that my wife felt. The, the sense of loss, the sense of, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't touch the pain. It was somewhere that I could not go. I'm not a woman. I don't understand what that is. I don't know what it's like to have a life inside of me like she does. But we were open about it. We said, God, we just want you to help us, give us people in our life. And I cannot tell you, cannot tell you how many phone calls, how many letters. I had no idea how prevalent that this was. And we had people come over. We had people that sat down with my wife. Listen, they cried with us. They laughed with us. They held our hands. They hugged us. We didn't waste the hurt. We didn't waste the hurt. People's lives are now changed. Mary and I, since that has happened, we have come in contact with that issue. And we were able to physically go over to those people's houses or, or meet them or call them on the phone. And Mary can talk to the wife and I can talk to the guy and say, listen, I understand exactly what you're going through. You can't fix the way that she hurts. You can't do this. Why am I telling you all this? Because God has a desire to change your thoughts about where you've been. At Connection, we say all the time, we do not care that you have a past. Congratulations. You're just like everybody else in this room. You have a past. We're not concerned with that. We are very concerned in where you're going forward. Very concerned. How can God change your life? What can God do in your life? Go on to verse 15. It says, He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus came and He died. The, the, a, a physical man who lived in heaven where they walk on gold of perfection. 
It, the Bible talks about repeatedly, God's throne is elevated in heaven. He's elevated above perfection. He's above perfect, and we can't, we can't grasp that. But His Son came to this earth, and He died. Why? So that we could have our lives changed and receive something that we don't deserve. But some people want to stay in that rut, and they say, well, this is all, I've done all this stuff wrong, and I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to be like a pig, and I'm just going to wallow in it. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to lay down in it because I'll never be better. I can't possibly do anything to, to have God love me more. I want to tell you this. He has given you a chance for a new life. If you are a believer and a follower in Jesus Christ, I want you to do something for me real quick. You don't have to close your eyes. Okay? I want you to remember back to the time when you became a follower of Jesus, when you became a Christian, when you understood that God had a plan for your life and you accepted that in your life, okay? Ask Jesus into your heart, saved, whatever church terminology you used. I want you to think back there. And I want you to think of your life before that happened and then I want you to think of your life after that happened. And if you were a younger person you can't remember that, I want you to listen to this. I can remember back to how my life was before I came to Connection and before I was introduced to the knowledge of John Baker and Celebrate Recovery, and I can tell you how my life is now. Because Matt Griswold, seven years ago when we were in the primary center, and it was only me as the worship leader, and the first Sunday I printed out the words on pieces of paper, he's not the same person that you see standing here today. Not as a flag saying, look at me, it's I should be a trophy for God. You should be trophies for God. God should say, man, did you see Matt? I'm going to put him up on, on his little... And God's not putting us on a pedestal. He's saying, look what he did. He accepted what I have for him. Do I struggle? Every day. Are there things that I need to do better? Absolutely. If we're honest with ourselves, I said we all can probably go in that category. That old self, sometimes it screams at me. Come on back, dude. It's way better over here. There's not a lot of responsibility. There's not this. There's not that. You don't have to act this way. Screams at me. Would, I, would it be easy to fall back in? Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes those feelings come back once a month. Sometimes they come back per minute. And I have to remind myself of whose I am. We are not to go back into that life, but rather use it as a way to not waste a hurt. And I use, I use not waste a hurt because in our youth group from January to June, if you have been in it, you understand that what we do is we do life hurts, God heals. And it is a youth version of Celebrate Recovery. And what we're seeing is in our young people, they have stuff going on. I am in a school five days a week. I could, not, I could not completely write down all of the problems in an entire notebook and hand it to you that I see on a daily basis. Mom and dad, they got a divorce, or they don't treat me right, or my, my sister or my brother is the favorite, or um, I don't get treated fairly by coaches, or I don't get treated fairly by the teachers, and nobody likes me, and I'm, I'm, I'm codependent, but I don't know what that means. 
means I seek to make everybody happy. It makes me feel low about myself. I'm an addict of drugs, of alcohol, of sex, of pornography. It could go on and on. But what we're seeing is when we introduced Life Hurts, God Heals to our youth group, they said, hey, you know what? Some of us, I have a problem. Now, what we do with that is we take him through this course. Now, if you, want, if you want to get your mind blown, you come talk to some of our youth. How is your life, just ask them, how is your life different after Life Hurts, God Heals than when it was before? Because Life Hurts, God Heals teaches them to not waste their hurts. Now you see our youth group going to school and they're coming in contact with people that, you, that, that are in what they used to be in and they're not talking down to them like, you should be better. They're walking beside them. They're helping them. God has brought me personally through so much. And it is not, it is not about me. But what I have to desire to do is to walk beside somebody that I see where they've been. And I understand where they've been. He goes on in verse 16. He says, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. I want everybody to look at me very intently right now. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you have never been told this. Some of you have not been told this nearly enough. But I want to tell you something this morning. My dad started this with Emma. And then it went to Lydia. And now it's to Gracie and Addie, my nieces, my sister's girls. My dad has four granddaughters. Two of the first words besides mommy and daddy that my girls learned was my dad holding them like this. And he looked at them right in their eyes and he said, I want you to repeat this. He's he's teaching my girls how to talk. And he said, I want you to say, I'm, and they said, I'm special. Some of the first words that my girls have ever spoke. But my dad holding my girls like this, can you imagine what God wants to do to you? He wants to hold you because you're his kid and he wants to look at you in the eyes and he wants you to know that you're special. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what road you've walked down. I don't care if you've been married five times. I don't care. I don't care and neither does God because you're special. You have a path and God has plans for you to do unbelievable things for his kingdom. And it was what Paul is trying to get across. He said, we stopped evaluating others. From a human, human point of view. We're not keeping score. We don't, I've already talked about, we don't care about the past. We're going forward. Hmm. He goes on and says, at one point, or at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Change. In verse 17, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Go on to verse 17. A new life has begun. I like music. If you looked in my CDs or on my iTunes list, you would see things from, let's see, start at the Gaithers, Bluegrass, Screaming, Jazz, Blues, rock, everything. Okay, I like everything. So me saying what I'm getting ready to say should not surprise you. I like all genres of music. But this quote I got from a guy named Michael Buble, who is phenomenal, by the way. 
But he says this about, this about this verse, and I don't know Michael Buble's thought about God, but here it is. It says, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. Michael Buble says, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life, and I'm feeling good. Do you feel better on this side? Do we accomplish more for God on this side, but yet our old, our old self says, hey, come on, come on. Paul is saying, listen, the old life is gone. The old Paul is gone, guys. That's what he's writing. He goes on to verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to, to him. Good. You've recognized that God can bring you out of your trials and your troubles and he put your feet on a more solid foundation. Good. Who are you helping? Who are you helping? Who do you show the love of God to? When's the last time you had somebody over for coffee? When's the last time you had somebody over to eat? When's the last time you went out to eat with somebody? Hang out with them. Listen, I'm, it, it's not expensive. You could probably find the change in your truck or car thing to go hang out with somebody. I've, I've literally done that. I've ransacked through my change thing to get enough for a small drink at Hardee's and I go hang out with somebody. Verse 19, it says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. I want you to go back in the middle of that verse. It says, no longer counting people's sin against them. God doesn't care. He's concerned. But he says, I'm not keeping track. I want that old life gone. I'm not keeping track of them. Do you understand physically? And I, I don't think you could get more intimate than meeting one-on-one with somebody. And if we all need to sit down one-on-one, I think you need to con- completely understand how special you are. You, we can't comprehend the love that God has for us. Okay? Because I love my girls and I would die for my girls. But to have my girls die for something that you did, that's what God did. He took his son who walked on pavement of gold and he sent him to this earth and he died for you. And he died for me. How special we are. Go on in verse 20. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. When we show people how God loves them by our words and by our actions, live and love and show. 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right through God with God through Christ. I want to tell you something very special. The Jesus that I have in me, he died one time. For all the sin prior to him coming to earth, 
and all the sin that was going to happen until he comes back, he died one time. And he died for it, and it covered it. That's it. There's no more explanation. My God did it once. He's not going to do it again. Once was enough. God loves you, listen to me, where you are. You're sitting in your chair and like, man, I'm, I'm so anxious. I have anxiety. I'm codependent. I'm, I'm this and I, I, have, I have a horrible past and I've done this and nobody loves me. And if they knew the real me, I love that video before we, we, we watched that before. But he said, if you, uh, something about if you know me uh, and half the things I did, you wouldn't want me at your church. And then the guy comes on and goes, if you know me and you half the stuff that I did, you wouldn't be worried. Jesus came to take all of that away. To have a relationship with him. He died one time and that was enough. There's a reason that he said it is finished. He accomplished what he came to do. He spilled his blood for us. So we could have a relationship with God. God loves you where, we are, where you are. God doesn't love us. And Josh used this last week. He has no idea about my notes. But I had the same thing written down that he had in his message last week. God loves us. The same when we do right and the same when we do wrong. He doesn't love us any more when we do right. He doesn't love us any less when we do wrong. He loves us because He loves us. Because He loves us. Because He loves us. If you get to spend some time with, with, alone with God this week, just repeat that. God loves me because he loves me because he loves me because he loves me. Pretty soon your talk is going to be tears. <laughs> at connection, we are not concerned at all with where you come from. But like Paul to these people in Corinth, we are very concerned in where you're going. Good. You have a past. You're just like us. Great. Awesome. We fit in together now. But what he's saying is, you can have a future. God has plans. We're told that in Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11. That God has a plan for us. For a hope and a future. To do things that, seriously, seven years ago, I thought about this. Almost seven years ago, next month, when we launched, Seven years ago, a group of people got together, and by the way, don't read it now, but in your message map, Mike has a little, little excerpt about how we started. He's telling a story. But seven years ago, could you have dreamed on where God has brought you? Most of you weren't even with us. I wasn't even at the airport. But God desired to do something different in Jefferson County. Something different. And he goes, I'm going to get a group of people together that if they'll buy into what I want to do, they're going to see people's lives change. And I can give you names. But remember that God loves us because he loves us. We have the gift, the money.
Okay. Sure. Thank you. It's uh, pretty crazy when nickels and dimes turned into uh, $200.70. Also, while I'm covering this, if you lost a charge card, come and see me. We found it. Somebody, we found it. We don't know whose it is, so anyway. Um, uh, Chris Bond and Angela Sheridan. Would you come forward, please? They each have $100.35. There's some, some instructions that I'm giving them with a bag. All, all it says is just what to do with it. It's not about waving a banner for connection. It's about making a difference in somebody's life. I was coming to church this morning and I just started to think and I was just talking with God and we were listening to music like always and uh, I say we like he was right in the pastor's side with me. I don't know if he was or not. I don't know if he sits down. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> but we, I was, just, I was just concentrating on him. A song would come on the radio I, just, I thank them for my ears that I could hear. I thank you for my eyes so I could see. But before I said amen, I'd, I pulled into Connections parking lot. Only a couple people here. Nobody was out in the parking lot. And I pulled in and I just thank God for being able to be a part of this community of people that understand who God is. They give of themselves, their time, their money, their energy. And they don't do it to wave a banner. You know, we don't hand out these private flags that you can put out on your house that say, I'm a member of Connection. Look at what we do. And I just thanked them. I said, God, thank you. Not for just the building, not for the, not for the lights, not for the, the carpet and not for the, the sound system and not for the, the gravel to park on and the, the overhang so we won't get wet if it's raining. Not for that. I said, God, thank you for the inside of the church. Thank you for the people. Thank you for the people that understand how special they are. You bow with me, we'll be will be dismissed. Dear God, we thank you so much for today. God, let us understand today, God, that you have sought for connection to be different for a reason. God, that we are to show people the love of you through everyday, everyday things. And God, not to bring honor and glory to it, but I thank you that everybody in this place right now has a past. And I thank you that you provided a way for us to get out of that old life and to live a new one. God, we love you so much. Help us enjoy our time today with our family or wherever we're going. Keep us safe where we're going when we leave. God, I thank you for the, the athletes that came today dressed in uniform because they could stay till church was over and then get to the game. 
Thank you for people that cook popcorn. Thank you for people that slide knobs on a, on a soundboard and play instruments and sing. And for people that give. God, help us to be more like you every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, if you lost that charge card, please come and see me. You're dismissed.